Well, good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bible or your device, you can go and turn to Romans chapter 8. And we'll be looking at verses 22 through 27. <clears throat> Romans 8, 22 through 27. And as you flip there or scroll there, however you're doing it, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. In the summer of 2015, was the most life-changing summer of my life. Lots of things going on that summer. Uh, my family moved from Chicago to Texas, Austin, Texas, specifically this area. Yes, we're grateful for that. Uh, we love this area. We love Texas. Also, in that summer, Sam and I got engaged whoop, whoop, at the Round Rock, by the way. Also really cool. And... Uh, we were also interns. Sam and I were interns here at Central. I was a youth intern, and Sam was a kid's intern, and so life-changing experience with that as well. But there was something else that happened during that summer that was just awesome. I had the opportunity to travel to Europe and play baseball. So cool. I, I partnered with a missions organization that used baseball to share the gospel with, with kids and with people uh, other men. And so we would go and we would uh, do camps and we play games and all the things. And so I got to travel to Budapest, Hungary, and Vienna, Austria, and Prague, Czech Republic. Life-changing experience. Awesome opportunity. I was so excited, as you can imagine, but to be honest, I was not excited about what it was going to take for me to get there. So I had to travel all by myself to Europe. And that was the first time I've ever traveled alone before in my entire life. So never done it before, we're gonna do it international. All right, let's do it. I had a 10-hour flight from Houston to Frankfurt, Germany. Now, for our Israel team that just came back, they had a connecting flight in Frankfurt, and it's not the greatest of airports. I'm just being straight with you. Uh, it's not where necessarily you want to go. But I, I had a connecting flight, 10-hour flight, and uh, long, long flight. I was in the middle seat, and I was sitting right next to a, a very large man. And so I was very squished, and I was like, for the first hour, I was like, I can do this. It's fine. After that first hour, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is going to be rough. And so I watched lots of movies. I did not sleep, although I would have had a nice pillow next to me. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, anyways, I get to Frankfurt, Germany, and where I, I come out of the terminal, and, and you know, we're, we're in the airport, I find out that my gate has been changed. So first time traveling by myself internationally, I'm in a foreign land, a foreign airport, and my gate gets changed, and I have no idea where to go. I'm lost, and I literally get lost like lost, lost, okay? So I, I'm, at this point, I'm frantic. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know where I need to go. I don't know what's gonna, what, what's, what, what do I need? I'm thinking about like my, my luggage. My, I checked the bag. That's gonna go to Budapest. I'm gonna get stuck here. Like what's, all the things, all the things. I am losing it. And in the midst of me losing it, this very kind airport employee approaches me, and he speaks English, which I was grateful for, because I don't know German, 
and he says, can I help you with something? And I just, just tell him everything, you know, like I am struggling, I'm by myself, I've never done this before. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll help. And so he goes and, and he's like, okay, what, what, where do you need to go? I was like, I'm going to Budapest, Hungary. And so he goes and looks on the computer, and yeah, it's been changed, and you need to go here. He's like, you know what? I'll just walk with you. And so he did. He walked with me to my gate, and that took away all of my fear, all of my anxiety. I felt so much comfort and peace in that moment. You know, in a similar way, we as believers in Jesus are in this foreign land called earth. We are just passing through, and our final destination is heaven. And while we're here, we can feel alone, lost, afraid, anxious, but Jesus has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us, to help walk with us to our final destination. We're in a series on the Holy Spirit titled The Breath of God. In the last few weeks, we've learned a lot from Pastor Mark and Pastor Brett. Short recap about that. First, we learned who the Holy Spirit is. He's a third person of the Trinity. He's not a force or a ghost, but he is God. Then, we've learned what the Holy Spirit has done. He has authored, he has inspired the scriptures, and he also birthed the church, a church on fire. That's awesome. And now, for the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking what the Holy Spirit does today, because guess what? He's not done. He's at work. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 14 through 16, he calls the Holy Spirit the helper, the parakletos. He's the helper. He's the one that comes alongside us to help us walk through this life. And we're going to see many ways that the Holy Spirit helps us today. But this morning, we will learn how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And in Romans 8, 22 through 27, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, specifically highlights this ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I've, I've summarized the text into two points of how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I will be reading from the NIV this morning, just so you know. And we're going to go ahead and start with the first block of verses, which is verses 22 through 25. So if you're with me, I hope you are. Let's begin. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, We wait for it patiently. In verse 22, he says, The whole creation has been groaning. Now, that's an important word to highlight because it's going to show up three times in our text this morning. Groaning. 
Now, this is not a groaning out of annoyance, like, ugh, I hate 35 traffic, or ugh, pumpkin spice in September, like people groan over these things, okay? I don't know where you're at with that, but this is, this is a groaning out of pain. The reason why I know that is because of the example he gives, childbirth. Now, I've never experienced that, but I've witnessed it. And many of you know exactly what this means and what it's like. It's extremely painful. Mothers, you rock. You guys are awesome, right? Amen. So here, he personifies all creation being in pain. The whole world is in pain due to the cosmic effect of the curse of sin. In other words, the world is broken and not the way it should be. How has creation been groaning lately? A cyclone hit Libya and thousands are dead. Hurricane Lee just hit landfall on the east. Earthquake in Morocco, 3,000 dead. Wildfires in Spain, Hawaii, and Canada. A typhoon hit China not too long ago, and now they're experiencing landslides. Isn't it crazy that in one geographical area, they are pleading and praying for rain to fall? But then in another place, they're pleading for the rain to stop. Why? Because the world is broken. And it's groaning. Help me. Fix me. Make me new. And what is highlighted here is it's not the only thing groaning. So are we. Notice it says in verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Just like the world is broken, so are we. Our bodies and our minds do not work the way that they should. We have sin and disease and disorders and mental illness, aches and pains, cancer, even death itself. You know, it's such a, a thing in our, in our culture today, how we interact with one another, is when we greet one another, we say, hey man, how's it going? And you say, good, I'm just tired. How's life? Good, I'm just tired. We say that. We're tired. And we are tired. We're tired physically, spiritually, and emotionally tired. We are weak and we groan inwardly, help me, help me. And that's why Jesus gave us the helper. First way that the Spirit helps is this. The Holy Spirit helps us by giving us hope. In verse 23, 
while connecting the world's pain to our pain, he says that believers have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? First fruits is an agricultural term that was common in the day. As a farmer, you would plant and, and then you would just wait patiently for your crops to come up, whether it was uh, grapes or olives or figs, whatever it might be, and you eagerly wait. And then one day when you're going along and you see your plants, you see a grape, the first one. It's a first fruit. So you take that grape and you eat it. And the first fruit gives you a taste of what is to come. In a similar way, the Spirit gives us the first fruits of heaven. He gives us a taste of what is to come for us. And in the text, he gives us two specific first fruits that we have right now. The adoption and the redemption of our bodies. It says we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Now, earlier in Romans, Paul talks about this spiritual adoption. If you scroll up, you'll get to verse 15, and it says this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Our spiritual adoption is an activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're like me, and you read these two texts, there's a little bit of a disconnect, and this is the disconnect. The, in verse 15, it, it describes our adoption as a past tense event. We are adopted. We've been adopted. And we now cry, Abba, Father. But then you look at our text this morning, in verse 23, it says, We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to come. Will, we're, we're waiting for our adoption. Wait, I thought it was already done. What are we waiting for? You know what we're waiting for? To go home. To go home. Like any adoption, there is a process. Usually you meet the child, you build a relationship with them, and you go through the legal process of adopting that child. But the adoption is not fully complete until you take them home. The same goes for us. Jesus has paid for our right to become children of God. The Spirit has brought us into our adoption, and now we have access to our Heavenly Father to build a relationship with Him, our Abba Father. Now, today, that is a first fruit. And you, the, 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 the relationship that you build with Him today, you will have for the rest of your life. And one day, he will take you home. And we eagerly groan to go home. We do. It's a first fruit that we get to enjoy today. In addition to adoption, there's the redemption of our bodies. That's a first fruit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
the Holy Spirit every day is renewing us. Even though we have the aches and pains and we are groaning inwardly, He is renewing us inwardly, preparing us for home. Paul dedicates a whole chapter on the resurrection and the glorification of our bodies in 1 Corinthians 15. You can read that whole chapter. He expounds on it beautifully. But in that chapter, in verse 20, he calls Jesus a first fruit. It says in verse 20, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does that mean? That means how Jesus resurrected and now has a glorified body, so we will be resurrected and have a glorified body. He is the first fruit of what is to come that we will experience one day. He is a first fruit. And we get to enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit as he changes us, renews us, redeems our bodies today. So the great question that I like to ask when I read Scripture, why does this matter? Why does this matter? And here's the answer. Because the Holy Spirit gives us the first fruits to enjoy today and give us hope for the future. It doesn't matter what life situation you're going through today, you can enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the more you press in, the more that you enjoy and delight in the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, having a relationship with your Abba Father, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is changing you every single day, actively doing that, the more you delight and the more eager and excited you are for the things to come. And it gives you hope. Gives you hope. Now, hope talked about in the Bible is different than how we use hope today. And the way that I differentiate those things is there's worldly hope and there's godly hope. This is how worldly hope is. Worldly hope is uncertain. I hope I get a raise. I hope the Cowboys beat the Jets today. More seriously, I hope what God says is true. I hope God loves me. I hope I'll be able to go to heaven someday. Do you see the uncertainty in that language, in the way that we use hope today? It's wishful thinking, fingers crossed. And that uncertainty fuels us with worry and insecurity. But godly hope, the hope that's described in these pages is certain. It says, I am fully convinced of who God is and what he says is true. I not only believe in him, I believe what he says, like the faith of Abraham. He didn't just believe who God is and that he exists, but he believed God's words, and it was counted to him as righteousness, his faith in God. And that kind of hope is rooted in a saving faith in Jesus. And it leads us to be full of not worry, but full of worship and excitement 
in hope, and it gives us endurance to keep on going and to not give up. It gives us hope for today. It gives us hope for the future, and that's the hope that they describe as they write it. That's the hope that they're talking about. It's certain. They're not living through their life like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. No, they are certain, and that's why they're enduring all the things, things that we can't even imagine they're going through. New Testament writers. Because they know what's coming. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We have hope. Hope keeps us going. I've heard it said, man can live about three weeks without food, about three days without water, about three minutes without air, but only one second without hope. We need hope. And we are constantly reminded of our weaknesses, aren't we? All the time. You roll out of bed, oh yeah, weakness. But the Spirit reminds us of the hope that we have in Him. Gives us hope. Let's move on into our next block of verses, which explains the second way the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us by giving us hope. There's another way. In this ministry of the Holy Spirit, you might not be aware of. So verse 26 through 27, it says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. It says, in the same way. In the same way the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us hope, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Specifically how? Second point. The Holy Spirit helps us by praying for us. Now, when he says weakness, he is not referring to something new. He's just saying it in a different way. He's referring to our groaning state. Our current broken state is weak. We're weak. And an example of our weakness is described in verse 26. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you been there? In your in your groaning, in your heartache, and in your suffering, you are at a loss for words. You don't know what to pray for. And so a lot of times you're silent, and you're weeping, and you're heartbroken. And then there's other times you're in a, a situation, it's, it's confusing, it's complex, you don't know what to pray for. Should I pray for endurance or should I pray for deliverance? Should I, should I pray for wisdom on, should I take this risk or should I play it safe? We struggle to know what to pray for because we struggle to know the will of God. It's a part of our weakness. But it says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Intercede means to step forward on someone else's behalf. 
They step up and step out. You know, Jesus is described as an intercessor in Scripture. Later in Romans 8 and verse 34, and also in Hebrews 7, verse 25, the Bible says that Jesus is interceding for us at the throne, defending us from the enemy's accusations against us, similar to a defense lawyer. He is constantly interceding for you. And what we learn from these verses in Romans this morning is that not only do you have an intercessor in heaven, you have an intercessor in your heart, in the Holy Spirit. And how does he intercede for us? Through wordless groans. The third time that groans shows up this morning. Creation groans, we ourselves groan, and the Spirit groans. What does this mean? First, I'm going to tell you what it does not mean. Sometimes this passage can can be interpreted as talking about uh, tongues. And I'm pretty confident that it's not uh, talking about tongues here, the gift of tongues. Uh, Paul writes about tongues quite a bit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, he expounds on it quite a bit. And the language that he uses there is, is not found in this text at all. The verbiage is very different. Also, in our text this morning, this prayer, this intercession is for all believers, whereas the gift of tongues is not for all believers. So I think it's, not, it's two different things. So what does it mean? What is this prayer? What is this intercession? What is this inwardly groans, wordless groans? <laughs> well... This is the only place in Scripture where this activity is found. There's no basis to compare it with or anything like that. There, there is some, some mystery in the mechanics of how the Spirit prays. And you do tons of research and you, you read guys that are way smarter than I am and everybody kind of lands on, on different Ways. There, I give you three examples. Some think he prays to the Father through our wordless groans. So like when we're groaning, that's when he prays. Some think he leads us to groan. So he like makes us groan and then, you know, internally and, and externally. And some think he, he prays with wordless groans without us even knowing it. So we're just going through life and he's just praying all the time in wordless groans and we don't know. So honestly, there's, there's no way to fully know how he prays, and I don't know about you, I'm okay with that mystery. But what we do know is that the Spirit is praying for you. And I imagine it's similar to a superpower that God gives mothers. So when Ellie was really little, before she could talk, now she talks a lot, um, and so she, she would cry, as all babies do. They don't know how to communicate for their needs, and so they would cry. And, and you know, we're about a year in, and, and Sam is like, hey, that, that cry means that she needs a diaper change, or that cry needs, 
means that she, she needs fed. That cry means that she needs to go rest. And I'm thinking to myself, what? <laughs> like, is there a book or like something on YouTube that you watch that I'm not aware of? Like, how are you doing that? How do you, how, it's like she speaks baby or something. Like, when did that happen? Well, I learned that it's not just a Samantha thing. It's a mother thing. And dads, we know exactly what we're talking about. It's like, what is going on? Mothers are able to know exactly what their babies need based off of their cries. And they're able to meet those needs. And, and Sam would tell me a lot of times, you need to go change that diaper. So uh, she, uh, but that's good. She was doing a whole lot more. In a similar way, in our groaning, in our cries, in our frustration, the Spirit knows exactly what you need and prays to the Father perfectly on your behalf. Perfectly. The Father that can see into and searches our hearts and knows that the mind of the Spirit communicates clearly and perfectly what we need. Father, they need strength. Father, they need comfort. They need peace. They need love right now. Encouragement. They need endurance. Father, they need healing. Father, they need humility. Father, they need correction. And he prays all according to the will of God, which means that all of his prayers are answered. And you know, there's, there's a lot of encouragement with that. I don't know if you've gone through a situation where life's just been heavy and hard, and you'll have a, a random day where, and there's no reason for this, for, for whatever reason, you wake up in the morning and you're just going through the day, and for whatever reason, you have peace. Or you're just tired, it's been heavy lately, I'm stressed out because of work, but for whatever reason, you have strength and focus and energy. You know, I shared last summer about Sam and I's situation um, and about a year ago uh, with our miscarriage. That's not a, you know, we've, it's a public thing. It's not a private thing anymore. We've, we've shared that. And, and in that season, talking about wordless groans, yeah. There were days I didn't know what to pray. Heartache. But there were days, random days, where I would just feel peace. And now looking at the scriptures, I understand. The Holy Spirit had my back. And the Holy Spirit has your back too. And, and there's other people praying as well for you, and there's people praying for me. But in hopeless situations, he gives you hope. In, in, in chaotic situations, he gives you peace because he knows exactly what you need at the time, and that's really encouraging. Even when there's times where you're like, man, I just don't know what to pray, it's okay. He's got it. He's got it. You don't have to worry about making your prayers perfect. 
Because his prayers are perfect. And he knows exactly what you need. And he knows exactly what is needed for the situation that you're praying for. And he communicates it perfectly to the Father. For some of us, that's really encouraging. For others, you have questions. Well, if that's true, then why don't I see any difference in my life? I don't feel God right now. It, do, it doesn't seem like he cares. He is not answering my prayers. He has the power to change this right now, and he's not. Where is he? What's going on? And friends, I, I say this because I, this is out of my own experience, and it's the truth of the scriptures. It's because sometimes what we need is not what we want. If we're being honest, sometimes we don't like God's will for our lives and we are disappointed. We wanted the healing and the healing didn't come, at least in the sense that we wanted. And we would prefer our will instead of submitting to what God's will is. And most of the times we are praying, God, take away the weakness, take away the anxiety, take away the pain, take away the sickness, take it away, take it away, take it away. And sometimes that's not his will. I'm reminded of a passage in 2 Corinthians 12, in verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the synopsis of it is that you know, Paul's doing ministry, and, and he, he describes having a thorn in his side. From, from the text, we learn that it's, a, it's some kind of messenger of Satan that is harassing him. And we don't know exactly what the thorn is, but all we know is that Paul is in extreme pain. Extreme pain. And in verse 8 through 10, it says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Paul prayed three times for deliverance. Take this away from me. This doesn't feel good. This hurts. But that was not God's will for him. God, look at all the things I'm doing for you. I'm planting churches. I'm doing your work. And I'm getting persecuted. I'm getting thrown into prison. And now this? Lord, where are you? And the Lord was so gracious to give him insight to his will. And it's not just an insight for Paul. It's an insight for all of us. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, the enemy will take advantage of your weaknesses but Jesus will use your weaknesses as an advantage. Weakness 
makes you dependent on Jesus' power, not your own. It brings you closer to them. If you had nothing, if everything was perfect in your life, I, I would say it's really tempting to not need him at all and just live your life and do things in your own power. But weakness makes us dependent on him. And the good thing is, in our weakness, that's where his power comes from. That's where his power comes through. We do things that are beyond ourselves. And he delights in using our weakness so that his strength can come through. We must not hide our weaknesses or avoid our weaknesses or even hate our weaknesses or our situation, but embrace them and use them for the glory of God because also he will use your weakness as a witness to his glory. People will be impressed with your strengths, but they will connect with your weaknesses. Don't complain. Instead, what Paul says, boast all the more in your weaknesses. Boast. Don't complain. He gets glory. You can't lose. You can't lose. In the end, there's glory. You can suffer in this world, and you still win. Is it hard? Yes. But you can't lose because of what Jesus has done for us and the spirit that lives inside of us. You can't lose. I close with this thought. I am convinced that he will take your groaning and turn it into good. That's not my opinion. It's right here. If you haven't, if you haven't checked out yet, the verses that we looked at this morning, verses 22 through 27. If you still have your Bible, look at what comes after. Verse 28. We know it. It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his purpose. We love that verse. We put it on a mug. We put it in our Instagram bio. We tell our friends about it. We love that verse, but oftentimes we don't know, we don't know the context of which that verse comes from. It's all one continual thought that he has. When he was writing this verse, he had groaning in mind. Groaning. What kind of groaning? Groaning like that of childbirth. See, childbirth is an agonizing, painful experience. However, once that baby is born, all the pain that you have experienced turns into joy. Hold that child. And all the pain, all the suffering, in the nine months, it was worth it. It's worth it. And that is the experience for every believer that walks on this earth. Painful, yes. Suffering, yes. Groaning, yes. But it will be all worth it. The good thing is that we have the helper who walks with us 
and gives us hope and he prays for us. He has our back and he's working for our good. He's gonna walk with us through this life until it's time to go home.